Well, we took a couple of weeks off, didn't we, from Isaiah, but we're back. I know you were starting to get nervous about it, anxious about it. I felt it too. We're back, though. Isaiah chapter 50. We're picking up right where we left off. Isaiah 50, beginning in verse 4. And our text for this morning will be uh, verses 4 through 11. So let's just begin our time in reading that together, okay? Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 11, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. An incredible text. Uh, So as we have been looking together from chapter 42 up until this point and through chapter 52, we remember that there are some servant songs that are presented. Um, They are not constant through chapter 42 through 52, but they are spaced throughout. So we found one chapter 42, that was verses 1 through 9, and again in chapter 49, verses 1 through 13, and here again in chapter 50, Uh, Verses really 4 through 9, but could be an extended portion 1 through 11 as well. What we have seen so far, though, is a contrast between two servants, and the two servants that have been contrasted are the faithless servant, Israel, and the faithful servant that is to come, right? So we have seen that. We have seen that there's a servant, and the servant has been called Israel, and Israel has been not a good servant, a blind and deaf servant, in fact, as Isaiah would say, right? Uh, what good is a blind and deaf servant to you? Not very good, just like with the Lord himself. But he says, you are my servant. But there is a servant to come who will be perfectly obedient in everything. He is coming, okay? The servant song today is just a little different because it's contrasting not the faithless servant and the good servant that is to come, but instead it's actually contrasting a faithful servant with an even greater servant yet to come. So the faithful servant that we find here is Isaiah himself, okay? And uh, you're going to see that there is a a parallel here between, we're going to ask, did these things happen to Isaiah or did these things happen to Jesus? And of course the answer to that is, well, both are true, okay? 
Um, we see that also in some of David's psalms, in particular the psalms that point toward Christ, that Jesus was, or that David was despised and rejected, correct? And that these things happened to him, but it was to point toward the future of when Jesus would fulfill these things and be despised and rejected, right? So did they happen to David or did they happen to Jesus? The answer is, well, they happened to both, right? But the ultimate, the culmination of those things was to be seen in Jesus. All following me on that? That's a little technical, but it's important to understand, okay? So here's a comparison. Now, is Isaiah ever called a servant? That's, we should bear that in mind. Is Isaiah ever called a servant in the text? Well, yes. In Isaiah chapter 20, verse 3, it says, The Lord said, My servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot. We talked about that some time ago, okay? Uh, but Isaiah is called a servant of God, right? So here we have Isaiah as a servant of God who is saying these things, but there is a greater servant yet to come who is Jesus. So we see in part the things that are happening to Isaiah, and they will come to an ultimate fulfillment in Christ. That's a little difficult to wrap your minds around, right? But if we don't really know the purpose of a text, then of what good is it to apply it to our lives? Right? What would we be applying if we didn't first understand it? You say that that's true? So, in order to understand this, we have to find that, yes, it is true of Isaiah, but is it even more true of the servant that is to come? So, what, what does that have to do with this text? Let's just look at it. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I might know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Now, true of Isaiah, true of Jesus. In what way? It's true of Isaiah in the sense that the Lord God has given him a tongue of those who are taught. By the way, the tongue of those who are taught just means he is able to speak as someone who is educated, right? He is able to speak as someone who has knowledge. Was that true of Isaiah? Of what knowledge did he have? Well, he had knowledge from God as he was appointed a servant of God to deliver the word to his people. You remember that? That's back in Isaiah 6. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this of prophets. This is verse 21. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, do we believe that to be true? Uh, certainly. So Isaiah is kind of telling us a little bit about what that feels like. The Lord has given me the tongue of someone who is taught, but I, I, am, I am not that person, though. But he has given me the tongue of someone who is taught, right? You understand that? That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And, he's trying, and then he says, that I might know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Who was weary that Isaiah was trying to sustain? Israel. Judah specifically, southern kingdom, right? That's, that was his audience. But Israel, generally speaking, he was attempting to comfort them. Why did they need comfort? Why were they weary? Well, because they were under the discipline of God is why, right? They were about to be led captive by a foreign army who hated them and wanted to kill them, right? Would you want to be comforted in that moment? Yes. God has given Isaiah words to speak that could bring comfort to their souls, Isaiah is admitting, it's not me. I can't comfort, but the Lord has given me the tongue of one who is taught that I might know how to speak a word and sustain the one who is weary. Now, although true of Isaiah, 
how much more true is this of Jesus Christ who knows how to sustain us with his word? You ever been sustained? Have you come to Jesus Christ in a weary soul, with a weary heart and a weary mind, and you know exactly what it means that the Lord is able to sustain you with a word? Isn't that true? Have you felt that yourself? If you have never felt the comfort of being sustained by the word of God, then something is, is, is missing in your life. The word of God is living. The word of God is active. The word of God can encourage comfort the soul. Isaiah understood it, but he's acknowledging it's not me though, it's the Lord. He's just using me as a vessel to sustain, right? Is it Isaiah's word that comforts and sustains? Or is it the word of God spoken through Isaiah that comforts and sustains? Important. It's very important. Now, as Isaiah attempts to comfort and sustain the people who are weary and sinful, rebellious, disobedient, when they hear the word of God, how did they respond? They're bringing word of, he's bringing word of comfort. He's bringing word of hope. He's bringing word of something greater than themselves. And how did the people respond? Thank you, Isaiah, for being a, a wonderful servant of God and for delivering us the message of truth. No, it was exactly the opposite. They despised him for it. They did not accept what he was saying as the word of God. They didn't hear it. Why? Because they were blind and deaf is why. But he has the tongue of one who is taught. He knows how to speak the word that will sustain them, but they're not listening, right? If they would listen, if they would have ears that are unplugged, if they would have eyes that would see, their hearts would be sustained. Let's move on to the next verse. Verse 5 says, The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I will say here, true of Isaiah, more true of Christ. Because however much Isaiah said, do you remember this goes again back to Isaiah 6 when the Lord said, whom will I send? And Isaiah said, me, send me, send me. So there's in a sense that he is a, a faithful servant in bowing to the will of God, right? To be used by God. Do you see it? And so the Lord is using him. He was not rebellious. He said, here I am, I'll go. So the God, God was using Isaiah and then he said, I didn't turn backward. I'm delivering the word to the people. The Lord has opened my ear. And so here I am. You get in the picture? Here I am. Just imagine like, you as, as you're the southern kingdom of Israel, okay? And here is Isaiah delivering the word to the people. And he said, here's the word. I'm being faithful to him. The Lord has given me words to say, I can sustain you with a word. Would you just hear it? Would you be comforted? Would you turn to God? Would you look at him? Would you see him? And the people go, no one's listening. Why aren't you listening? Because God said that as you speak to the people, it's actually going to deafen their ears more. It's going to blind their eyes more. And so that caused Isaiah to say, how long are you going to do this, Lord? Until there is desolation. What a hard life and ministry Isaiah had. Would you agree? I can't imagine. I'm thankful for a church of people who respond to the word of God. 
you're not responding to my word. I don't have anything to say. You respond to the word of God. I am thankful that the Lord has given me this ministry to actually see the fruit of God's word, active, living in people's lives, changing people. I see it. I saw it yesterday. It was, it was a blessing to me. But Isaiah, he longed to see it, but didn't see it. That's hard. But he said, here I am. Now, true of Christ as well. He was not rebellious, and he didn't turn backward from the call of God, did he? Obviously not. We know that to be true. Now, I will, I will say this. Uh, I'm going to read just a little bit out of John 6 for a second. John 6, verse 60 says, uh, many, many of the disciples heard Jesus teaching. Now, when, when the word is used disciple in this way, you're going to understand soon, a disciple is simply someone who was following Jesus, not necessarily a regenerate convert, okay? It's just the masses who were following him. Sometimes disciples does mean regenerate converts. It, sometimes it, it doesn't, okay? Uh, so many of his disciples, they heard it, and they said, what you're saying is a hard word. Who can listen to it? That, right? Who can listen to this word? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Do you take offense at my word? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning those who uh, did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And so he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away too? Can you imagine standing there and hearing Jesus say that to you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You have the words that I need to hear. Your words are truth and life. None of the other words matter. So where else are we going to go if we don't follow you? Even in the hard times, even when things are difficult to hear, it doesn't matter because where else are we going to go for words? Who else has the words? What other words do we have? We don't have any. If you turn back from following Jesus at the difficult things, there is no place for you to go. Right? Where, where are you going to go? I don't like what Jesus has to say. I'm going to go somewhere. Where are you going to go? He has the words of life. Do not abandon his words. Especially, I want to encourage you, do not abandon the words of Christ, the words of God, when things are difficult, when life is difficult, when what Jesus is having to say, what the word of God says is difficult. Don't abandon it. That's when you need to stay true. That's when you need to have endurance. That's when you need to say, the Lord has the words of life. I have nowhere else to go, so I will bow to him freely. Don't abandon him. There are no other words. We need his word, right? Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. 
okay? You might read this verse and say, well, clearly that's a description of the crucifixion. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Um, true. But as I would argue, true of Isaiah as well. I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my, dis my face from disgrace and spitting. Why would someone have a need to disgrace Isaiah and spit at him? Because he was saying things of God that people did not want to hear, right? Do you know the story of Isaiah, the, the, of, of what uh, his story, it's not, it's not a biblical account, although I can say that the Bible wants to affirm it, I believe. What does the Bible have to say about Isaiah's life? Do we know much about Isaiah? There's not much to Isaiah's life, actually. Um, what, what happened to him like on a daily basis, how things turned out for him, except there's a traditional account of Isaiah's life about how he died. Are you familiar with this, how Isaiah died? Um, the, the traditional account is that he uh, fled uh, due to the rulers of Israel. Uh, he fled and he hid out in a, uh, in a hollowed out tree. And, uh, and the orders were given to cut the tree in half with Isaiah inside. And so they sawed the tree in two, cutting Isaiah in two. I believe Hebrews 11, 36 through 38 references this exact account. And if it does, it's affirming this history as true. Isaiah, or excuse me, Hebrews 11, 36 through 38, it says, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two. Who else would that be talking about? I know of no other account of anyone else being sawn in two except for this account about how Isaiah died. And if that is true, we can also say that he was despised and rejected among men. Correct? True of Isaiah? More true of Christ. Right? We are comparing two servants. One who was faithful, but yet a sinner. Was Isaiah a sinner? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Was Christ Jesus the great servant of sinner? Absolutely not. So we have Isaiah being faithful. We have Christ coming and being even more of the faithful servant. That's true. Okay, so we have one who is speaking the word of God, but he is rejected among men just as Christ was rejected among men. Do you remember in John, when John says, John 1, uh, 9, the true light which gives light to everyone, which is a good thing, right? He was coming into the world he was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. That's sad that they didn't acknowledge the very creator of the world when he came, bearing light. Okay, so where is this headed? What do we, where is all this going? Let's continue on, verses 7 through 9. But the Lord God helps me. Okay, so we have a disgraced, rejected servant bringing the word of God to a people who won't hear it. And, but he says, but the Lord God helps me in the midst of that. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me then? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. 
Okay, so here is this contrast. Here is this servant who is saying, you all are rejecting me, despising me, hating me, hurting me. But you know what? The Lord God helps me. The Lord God helps me. And so therefore, I consider that I am not disgraced. Even though you are disgracing me, I consider myself not disgraced because God has not disgraced me. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. You ever said that? Is that a phrase you use? No, me either. I'm from Flint, Michigan. But that's different, right? So what is the flint? It's flint's a stone. If you set your face like a stone, that means it's permanent, it's immovable, it's hard, right? I have set my face like a stone. I'm going here, I'm saying this, I am doing this, and I will not change because God vindicates me. You hate me, but God doesn't. You despise me, but God doesn't. And that is what I'm concerned with, right? That's what I'm concerned with. The Lord God helps me. So who among you will declare me guilty if God has not declared me guilty? Who among you can do that? Stand up. Let us reason together. That's what he says. Stand up. Who has a case against me? Stand up. You want to declare me guilty before God? Stand up and tell me so. God has declared me innocent, so you better talk to him about it. Who among you can do this? The Lord God helps me. Behold, all of them, all of those who are accusing me, they're going to just wear out like a garment, and the moth will eat them up. They're going away. But God, does he wear out like a garment? Does the moth destroy God? He remains forever, and he's the one that has said, innocent to you, to all those who are in Christ by faith. Innocent. And he remains forever. You will never be declared guilty. Doesn't matter what anybody says. No one, no person on the face of this earth ever can declare you guilty if God has declared you innocent. But sometimes we feel it, don't we? Do you think Isaiah felt it? If he didn't feel it, here's my argument to you, then he would not have said this. He is pouring out his heart right here. You disgrace, stand up. You see the battle, the torment in him? Stand up, you who want to declare me guilty. Stand up and tell me. You're not gonna tell me that I'm guilty. You hate me, you spit at me, you reject me, but God hasn't. You see, he's almost like arguing with himself. He's trying to tell himself, I am innocent and I want to believe it fully. I want to take you to a place in the New Testament here, and I, want, I would like for you to turn there with me, if you would, please. Uh, I want you to see this. There's an incredible parallel here to an encouragement that we find in the text, okay? It's 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn there with me. I hope that you have the picture of what's happening here for this text. I, I hope you can almost place yourself there and feel it. 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 9. I want you to either imagine the scenario of Isaiah, imagine the scenario of Christ, or simply imagine yourself in the midst of opposition. Okay, you there? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, 
bless. For to this you were called, that you might obtain a blessing. For, and he's about to quote, he quotes here from Psalm 34. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Pause right there. Pause right there for a second. I'm just going to ask you that question. I'm going to ask you that question. I want you to think about what your answer to me would be. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? My answer would be, well, a lot of people, actually. I think there are a lot of people that could harm me if I'm zealous for what is good. Say that to Isaiah. Isaiah, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? By the way, you're about to be sawn in two. Jesus, if you are zealous for what is good, who can harm you? And by the way, you're about to be crucified. Right? So what does this mean then? That although, yes, these things can come upon us physically, mentally, emotionally, while we're alive, it bears no eternal weight. doesn't matter what you do to me then, does it? So then, you have a choice. You can either be zealous for what is good, and whatever comes upon you, comes upon you, or you can say, well, I'm not going to be as zealous for good because I don't want anybody to harm me. Right? And you feel as those, these temporary consequences are just too much for you. And so it, if we can be honest with one another, doesn't this at times cause us to shrink back from what we know to be true? we fear the consequences of what might be from other people. That they're going to despise me, reject me, I'm going to be the outcast. I might endure suffering because of this. But this is what the word of God says to us, that think about it, who can harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Well, if we think about it physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, whatever it may be, uh, financially, it does yes, people can harm you. That is true. There's no doubt about it. And that harm is probably coming for you. But it's, it's about what is ultimate. It's about what is ultimate. It is about what is eternal. No one can harm you for eternity because you are God's, right? So even if, uh, I'm continuing here in the, in the, I took a little detour, sorry. First Peter 3, I, I'm continuing in the text right there. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, we just talked about that, you will be blessed. You will be. You will be blessed. So have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. So let, let me just say a thing about that. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Just have no fear and don't be troubled. That's it. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to have fear or be troubled, so I guess I won't. Is it as easy as that? Is it as easy as that? I just say, well, I don't know why you're fearful or troubled about that. You're just going to be sawn in two. Just have no fear, Isaiah. Don't be troubled, Isaiah. Jesus, don't be troubled. All the apostles except for John, don't be troubled. You're just going to be killed for your faith. But why are you worried about that? Jesus said, don't fear. So I don't know why you're fearful. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Obviously. 
Jesus is saying, or the word of God is saying to us, although these things will come upon us, don't fear. Yes, call out to God when you need help. Call out to him. Pray that it might pass from you. Did Jesus do that? So you think it's okay for you to do that? Sure. Pray that if possible, this situation that seems like it's going to harm you, pray that the people who are despising you might be gone. Did David do that? Yeah, in some pretty harsh language, actually, right? Let them be gone. Why are the evil people succeeding? And here I am. Lord, do away with them. So when you find yourself in a troubling situation where persecution, suffering is coming upon you, pray. Pray that the Lord might deliver you from that. But if he doesn't, it is not as though he has been unfaithful. Okay? It is not as though he has been unfaithful. He says, even if you do suffer, make sure that you're suffering for righteousness' sake. Now, if you go and you rob a bank and you say, and then you go to jail, you say, oh Lord, why am I suffering in this prison? not talking about the same thing here, okay? Uh, You're suffering because you sinned, okay? Now, if you are being zealous for righteousness' sake, teaching the word of God, standing on the truth of the gospel, and people despise you for it, your family rejects you for it, your children won't talk to you anymore because of it, whatever it may be, then you say, sufferings are coming upon me, but I will remain faithful. I will remain faithful, What can you do to me? But it's challenging, isn't it? Remain faithful. Isaiah was zealous for good. Jesus, zealous for good. Both suffered terribly. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Back in Isaiah, by the way. Last two verses of chapter 50. So here's the question. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? That's the big question for us today, isn't it? So then, given all of that, who among you fears the Lord? Answer me. Who is that among us? Do you fear men or do you fear the Lord? Lord? Because this is going to have extreme consequences for your life, right? What do you fear? You fear God above all? Or do you fear people, their reactions, their persecutions, the things that they say to you, whether people like you or not? Yeah, listen, I admit to you freely, I actually care if people like me or not. Okay? Anybody else going to be that transparent and admit that? You, I actually care if people like me or not. I actually care if you appreciated the sermon or not, or what you thought the music sounded like. You know what? I actually care. Did you know that? but I care about what the Lord thinks more. At least that is my goal. Because at times, uh, it tugs on my heart, doesn't it? And it does to yours as well. But our, our hope and our goal is that we would simply be pleasing servants to God, that we would listen to the word and that we would be obedient fearing God above all and not fearing other people and situations and not fearing these things that can happen to us in life can a lot happen to us is there a lot to be fearful of whether politics war finances what 
uh, pandemics. What? Okay, there's a lot of stuff that you could be fearful about. I hope that you fear God above all. What does it matter if you survive all of these things? You have an underground bunker with food and you have immunity to COVID and every other disease and you are there and you, fight, you come out, you're the only one left. Is that the goal, by the way? I, I don't want to survive if I'm the only one left, okay? I'm just gonna let you know. Just take me out with the masses. But for some, maybe that is the goal. I'm gonna, I'm, uh, I'm getting everything. I have all the guns and all the ammo, but you know, there's no people left. So I don't know what you're doing with that. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, what ultimately is it that we fear above all? What do you want to please? What is your goal in life? What is your aim in life? It is to submit to your creator. That's what it should be. To bow to the lordship of Christ in all things, regardless of what happens to us right? Regardless of what comes our way. It is our goal to bow to the lordship of Christ. Um, so he says, I didn't finish the text that I, let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and re- rely upon his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, you equip yourselves with burning torches. Walk by the light of your fire, by your torches that you've kindled. You have this from my hand. You will lie down in torment. What's being said here? There's a contrast between two types of people. There's a person over here who I guess will make this the torch guy. And he is in darkness. And he says, well, I don't like walking in the dark. I can't see where I'm going. So I'm going to fashion a torch. I'm going to light it on fire. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around. And now I can see because I have a torch. Uh, but what he doesn't know is that his lit torch and his light is leading him to destruction. And then you have another picture of another person who walks in the light of God and his word and his truth. And his path is to life. So he says, all you who are walking by your fire from your torch, here's what I have to say to you. You're going to lie down in torment. So the call and the warning is this. Do not walk by your own light, your own truth, your own desires, your own emotions, your own passions. Walk by what God has said in his word. Walk in the light. I'll finish this morning with this. Um, I I just want to read for you Psalm 119, 105 through 107. You know it. You've sung about it. It's one of those things that's probably a magnet on your refrigerator. But think about it in these terms. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and I have confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Did you know that that came after that, by the way? I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life according to your word. The afflicted soul is also the soul that walks by the light of God, by the light of his word. Did you know that? What is this affliction, this suffering? Life has suffering. But in the midst of your suffering, don't turn towards your own path. Walk in God's word, God's truth. There's a lot to be said there, isn't there? Uh, Given that there is a lot to be said there, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. Uh, 
But uh, I, I want to encourage you this. That do not become disoriented about which is the path to follow. There are only two. Do not become disoriented. And here in just a moment, uh, we're going to have a little story about what happens when your path becomes disoriented, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the light that it gives. I pray now that you would continue to help us understand this, convict our hearts, um, show us, give us ears that we might hear, eyes that we might see continually. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm gonna ask uh, Michael to come up. There you are. I knew I saw you somewhere. Michael is going to share with us for a moment. And we did not plan this text for today. Uh, it just so happened to be, but it's good, isn't it? Yes, it is. It worked yes, out. It so go ahead, Michael. I'm nervous, so give me a give me a minute because this is this is a humbling thing I'm doing. Not that sounds not humble, but it it's uh, all right. I just want to first off say I I was going here for a few years, um, and then I wasn't. I. And for that, I need to apologize to you guys um, who were here, who knew me before. Um, he, like he said, my name is Michael. Um, and uh, I was serving here. I was going here. Um, and I was really participating with all of you uh, in this body of Christ. And uh, I just got hung up, man, uh, in, my, in my old way of life. It really grabbed a hold of me again, and I started making bad decisions, bad choices, again, um, that I knew were not were not what God wanted me to do, and I knew that. So for that, I want to apologize directly to all of y'all who were here um, beforehand, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for dragging you through. Um, that and not being there for you guys uh, in those two years that that I was gone, I'm genuinely sorry, and I'm I don't I don't have a whole lot of words other than like I wish I could take it back, and I wish I would have not done that. I wish I would have been here for you guys for that. But I want to tell you a little bit about that. I was just like Eric was talking about, uh, trying to walk in a light of my own, right trying to find out what is true but the funny thing is I went to Bible school for two years okay I already knew what was true right I had I had, I had experienced God fully in my life and I was just in a deep depression and I don't uh, it was just draining me and I didn't know I did know where to go I didn't know where to go uh, I knew I needed to come to y'all. I knew I needed to get on my knees and, and continue to ask the Lord to help me with that. But I wasn't, and I wasn't doing it. And for that, I, I stopped coming, and it really just grabbed my attention away from what was true, what was holy, and what was good, right? Um, so I was kind of treating God like a genie, if you would say. You know what I mean? Like um, 
I would go to him to fix my problems, right? But I wasn't trusting him entirely to actually give my trust to him, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like giving your whole, like, your whole self to the Lord in that way. Um, and the whole time I was doing that, the Holy Spirit was just like, man, beckoning me to come back to, to, cause I knew, I knew what was good. You know what I mean? I knew what was true and I knew what was right, but I was just so stubborn. And I thought my light was the way I thought that my light was going to get me where I needed to go, but it didn't lead me anywhere but destruction. hurt people along the way, in turn hurting myself even worse, right? So I, I come to you guys today. A lot of y'all don't know me. A lot of y'all do. Um, so for the ones who are here, and even if y'all want to forgive me, you can. Um, I'm here to ask for your forgiveness as a body, my body that was here and is still here ask for your forgiveness that I, that me and my family would be able to be a part of you guys because listen God hit me upside the head when I got married y'all he, he's shown me that I'm no longer responsible for myself that I have three beautiful girls in my life now and their souls are on me I gotta do something about that so I got on my knees, and I got right with the Lord. I said, God, I need your help, and I'm sorry that I was being such a stubborn idiot. And man, through that time, through the whole time that I was wrestling and fighting God, like Jacob, right? But he lost, and I lost too. Um, through that whole time, he was bringing up this verse, Philippians 1.6. And it goes like this. It said, oh, I had it. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And man, if that is not something that just the Lord used to keep me just close enough to where I wasn't going to turn away entirely, so I want to plead to you guys the importance of being honest and open and committed to your local body of Christ. The dangers it has of sitting in the back and not really being a part, but being here, right? Because you, you can get so far with God if you're not willing to open yourself entirely to him, to his word. But that's as far as you're going to get. But he has so much more for you as a believer and as his child than to be, to have a shallow faith. But I promise you, you don't want that because it's, it's going to lead you down a, a, a sad road. It's not going to be as full as, as, as he has meant it to be. I don't know if all that pain and that hard walk was meant to be a lesson, but I took it as one. 
Um, I can tell you that for me to follow Christ diligently, I needed to be honest with you guys, and I wasn't entirely with just my life, my sin that I was dealing with. I wasn't open with it about uh, men in my life who were there for me to help me through that. I was keeping it shelled up, and it, it came out in a nasty way, and I, I disappeared for a couple of years because I was ashamed of it. But God reminded me that, man, on the cross, the, the last words that Jesus says was what? It is finished. It is finished. I no longer have to hold that on me. And that is such a beautiful truth because it just, it just cap, it holds you tight and it makes you think that you are so far away from God. You might, you might be, what's that song by Casting Crowns, a slow fade? It happens like that. But if, if you're willing to be honest with yourself, to be honest with, with your creator, with your savior, your life and your walk with God will be so much more than a shallow good feeling every now and then. Because God's so much more than that, is he not? A feeling, right? So, he met me in my sin, right? He met me when I was a sinner. And he still meets me now as I am still messed up and still a sinner. But yet, he doesn't see me as that anymore, right? He sees me as his child. Praise God for that. So I want to leave you guys with this, and I want to thank y'all. And I want to ask you guys that if you can find it in your hearts to forgive me, me and my family, we would love to be a part of this again. So I love y'all, and I thank y'all for all that you've done. Does anyone want to forgive Michael? Yeah? Yeah? I think we do. Thank y'all. Yeah. I, I love Michael, and we've been talking about this for uh, a little while, and uh, uh, we have we have been praying for Michael uh, for, <laughs> for so long. I'm so, so thankful for this moment and that he's here. So thank you for having the courage to get up here and do this. To, to do this, but we have already talked. We're so thankful that you are here, and yes, we absolutely forgive you. We have been forgiven. We forgive, and we're excited about the future of